Hey everyone, welcome back to Take to Take. My name is Luke Burrows with Nick Robinson and Patrick Talon. This is episode 63. We've got a few topics to go over today. We're talking overrated, underrated players in the league. We're talking North Division and what next season is going to look like. But first, Cole Caulfield didn't score last night against the Leafs like many thought he would. Pat, we don't need to talk about the game specifically, but two uh, two games in with Cole Caulfield, are you overwhelmed, underwhelmed, aptly whelmed? I'm aptly whelmed, and I think the game against Calgary was much more impressive. Finished the night with like five shots, team leader in the Corsi's, team leader in expected goals for. Um, against a tough defensive system like Daryl Sutter, I think that's pretty good, and to get those chances when I don't think any other Montreal Canadian did. It's pretty good. Uh, last night against the Leafs, just not a good night all around, but he still had a couple of chances. He got some power play time. Um, the goals will come eventually, I hope. Hey, it's hard to produce when you've even got the referee trying to lay the body on you. Yeah, I knew once that happened, it would be gift, and it was all over Twitter. And that's all I could hear from uh, – that's all I could see on Twitter. So, Well, a nice, uh, a nice 5.30 – Eastern start for Nick and I yesterday as Ottawa pulled what a six, three win. I'm going to be honest. I turned on the Jays game uh, by the, by the end of, by the end of the third. So I couldn't take much more of that, but wow. Does Vancouver look bad or Ottawa looks good. I think maybe we'll just go that route. Ottawa is the best team in the North right now. So good for them. Uh, Nick, any thoughts after a four game series against between the seventh and sixth place teams in the in the North Division shows a lot of improvement in how the Senators have uh, played throughout the season. Earlier in the three game set in Vancouver, um, in that first little bit of the season, Vancouver outscored Ottawa sixteen to three, won all three games pretty easily. Now you look at it, Ottawa just took three or four, arguably should have taken four or four, and looked really really good throughout all four games. So. Um, hard not to like what you're seeing from the Senators if you're a Senators fan right now. I agree. After watching four Senators games, I, I have no choice but to agree with you. But that being said, Vancouver, especially guys like Thatcher Demko, are really struggling coming out of their COVID break. So it's only going to get worse from here for them as they've got a jam-packed schedule for the next three weeks-ish. So not looking forward to that let's talk North division as a whole. Um, like I just said, we're, we're only a few, I mean, the regular season was initially supposed to end in just over a week from today and then reschedules and, and stuff like that. have kind of extended it another week or so. So yeah, uh, two, three weeks away from the end of the end of the year. So we're, we're just about done for most teams. And when you look back at the North division, I'm going to, come at this from kind of two different directions both entertainment value and for more of a a business and operations standpoint let's start with the the boring one the north division was not was not excluded from the effects covid had on on the u.s divisions early in the season most notably montreal and then vancouver uh, Vancouver, if not had the worst, worst COVID outbreak out of not just in the NHL, but professional leagues across North America. Uh, and they're clearly seeing the effects. So I want to ask you guys, would you call 
the North Division's execution this year a success from from a business and operations standpoint, from a COVID standpoint? Like I said, they they didn't avoid it, but it looks like they're going to finish out the season. Patrick, what do you think? I think everyone assumed that the States would have the worst effect, just given how things were at the time. And we saw to start the season teams such as Dallas, uh, Columbus, uh, Colorado, Vegas, they had some pretty nasty outbreaks and it took a lot of time for the Canadian um, division to actually get hit with it. I think we knew it was almost inevitable that at least one team in the Canadian division would get it after seeing how quickly it spread down in the States. Uh, I think the way it was handled was very good. Obviously in Vancouver it was a different scenario um, because I think, what was it? Godet was, was patient zero for them or whatever. Uh, he was right. Was he the first one to, he went out or something. I don't actually think we know. I think that's what I don't think speculation. I don't think we right, know, but the, but... the, the, the speculation on Vancouver yeah, was different. But either way, the way they both handled it and the way the league came forward, uh, or the players came forward and said, "Hey, we're not ready yet." Like what JT Miller did was very was huge. Um, as far as enter- entertainment standpoint, uh, I was really, really, really excited to start, and I think over time, playing the same, I thought I'd see more animosity build between teams. I think in some cases it has, I think in some cases it just hasn't and they don't have the same uh, excitement level to them. And I know like as a fan, I miss seeing games against Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Tampa, those teams uh, um, in the Eastern conference. But overall, I think you can't be too disappointed given everything that's happened. I would say this was a success. uh, Definitely big success. We saw, I think Sportsnet's um, first quarter numbers were really, really strong in terms of viewership for the Canadian division. Some of the best they've had since they acquired the TV deal from the National Hockey League in Canada. So from a business sense, this is, you know, this was a home run in Canada. In a hockey sense, you know, obviously it didn't do its main job, which was to protect from COVID. But like we said, um, that seems somewhat of an inevitability just based on how this disease has continued to spread um, and Patrick pointed out some of the animosity it has built up over times just with specific teams and stuff like that. But I think it has in the first six to seven matchups for every team. I feel like, you know, there was definitely that, um, intense feel to it, but I feel like, you know, these last couple now, especially with how the division has progressed when we know three out of the four teams have been in a playoff spot and weren't going to lose that now, um, since about. I don't know, like a third of the way through the season, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton. Those teams were not losing their spots. We've known that for a long time. I think that's played a part in the overall competitiveness of the division because obviously when you have these teams playing each other as frequently as they have, you want it to be as competitive as possible. And I think um, Montreal, Calgary, and Vancouver not being as competitive as people thought or have wanted them to be has definitely played a big role in that. Yeah. You make a good point. Cause I think, yeah, you have the one, two, three Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, you have Montreal there, but they're, they're struggling to stay there, even though it looks like they're, they're going to be the ones, but if, if Cal, if, if Calgary and Vancouver, not even if they were like competitive for the one, two spots, if they were just, if, if Calgary, Vancouver and Montreal were all, you know, in the same caliber, which to be honest, I thought they would be. I didn't think Montreal would have that step up on them. This would be a super interesting run to fourth place. And 
yeah, we're, we kind of got a bit of that like last week when there were when Montreal was struggling and Vancouver was doing well against the Leafs and that's all fallen off. But there was potential for this to be a lot better than it was. But obviously, it's that's just how it played out. It's not it's not a movie. But Nick, if if you had to say one Canadian division matchup that you were surprised with entertainment value, what would you go with? Um. For me personally, the Senators and the Flames have had some really good tilts. And I guess that was to be expected with the Kachucks going at it as many times as they have. But those have been um, some of the more entertaining games in the division, I would argue. Um, The Toronto and Montreal games have been a slight disappointment for me just because I think Montreal, everybody expected them to be a lot more competitive at the top of the division. I think that's sort of of petered out as we've gone along. Um, But the Toronto and Edmonton games too have been pretty good. you know, any game sort of at the top of that division is decent these days um, and as competitive and as meaningful as you're going to get in this division. Patrick, what about you? Uh, I think to start, um, a, a generic fan answer would say the Montreal-Vancouver ones, just seeing to fully do what he did. But I think as time went on, uh, Battle, of Arber- Battle of Alberta got pretty good. And then lately, I've been enjoying Winnipeg and Toronto. Uh, just seeing Hellebuck stand on his head, a guy like Nikolai Ehlers. So uh, a lot of matchups there. I find Montreal and Ottawa have been particularly boring, and that's in part because Montreal loses to Ottawa every single time. Um, but, yeah, they've been good. I just feel like everything is, like Nick said, it's all kind of petered out. It's not hasn't been the same excitement level. Like the first game Montreal played against Toronto, they lost an OT, but it was like a playoff game. And then you have the past couple games, like last night, where it's just it just feels like any almost like a preseason game. At least it looks like it for Montreal. That's funny you say Toronto, Mon- or sorry, Montreal, Vancouver, because I, that to me was one of the disappointments of the year. Like I, as a Vancouver yeah. fan, yeah, and I, I know That's- why you say you enjoyed it, obviously, but as a Vancouver fan, I always look forward to Vancouver playing Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal every year, like when they play them twice a year. But and, even the close game, sorry, yeah, go ahead. And I, I just... It was just it was all all Montreal all the time, and I just didn't find those games interesting. Whereas I thought the Ottawa Vancouver series were really fun, and yep. it's yeah probably because Vancouver did really well at the beginning of the year. But those are two, and and maybe like I they they kind of gave me the vibes of I've I've always said this about OHL games or even U sports games where they're young and fast and not super good so it's it's just exciting hockey to watch obviously i don't want to compare the vancouver canucks to to the ryerson rams but that's kind of how i how i viewed those series this most recent four game run wasn't as fun i just straight up didn't watch one of the games uh the three nothing loss or whatever a few nights ago but as a vancouver fan i enjoyed the the vancouver ottawa games uh more than anything. I think one thing we got to point out the most interesting series of all the ones in this division was Ottawa and Edmonton, because who saw an 0 and 9 in any of these things? Ottawa did not win a single game against the Oilers in nine tries. That's that's just as impressive as, you know, it just battling it out for um between two teams every night. It's just as uh just as wild to go And that is that was the only 0 and 9 this year, right? Yeah. Is there any chance of another one or is that it? I don't think so. I think that I think after Ottawa won against Vancouver a few days ago, that was it. Yeah. 
All right. Well, yeah. So I think the fact they're finishing the season kind of says, yeah, the North division was a success, but certainly could have been better both uh, COVID wise and entertainment wise. So looking at next year um, on the Sportsnet broadcast on Saturday night, they went over essentially what the schedule options are for next season. And just recently the NHL has come out and said, I forget what the exact date was. It was October 12th or something. That's their target date to start the year. And that is pretty much the usual non pandemic start date for a season, which is great to see idea. I'm assuming it's going to be an 82 game season and these uh, scenarios we're going to get into here kind of point to that. As discussed um, last Saturday, option one for next season is a home and home with opposing conference. So that's 32 games, three games versus the other division in your conference, 24, and the remaining 26 games within your division, four games versus five teams, three games versus two teams, and then conference playoffs. And we'll come back to this one in a second because it's the most familiar, I would say. And then the second option is a home and home with the other three divisions, 48 games, four games with each division opponent, 28 games and six games left over for for special scheduling. So to me, that just looks like they did the, the 48 and 28 in and out of conference, and then they have six games left over, likely divisional playoffs. So the option one is the one that's most like a usual season. Like, and I said, both these have, sorry, let me just, maybe not. Oh yeah, 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 both these have 82 games. So it's it's a full season. And again, option one is most like a, a regular season. I'm sure we don't care too much which one these go with, because you're, you're playing every team in the league and you're getting a full season out of it. Do either of you have any opinion on this or are we just looking for a bit of back to normal hockey? I think there's been some appetite to move back to the conference um, playoff format, um, particularly in Toronto um, for the past couple of years. There's been a lot of appetite for that. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if they shifted away what that means for the playoff format going forward. I don't know. Um, But that is, like you said, Luke, most like a regular season. So I I can't imagine they would go with option two. Option one seems like the most likely for me. Yeah, I'll also go with option one. Um, We want to get some sense of normalcy back in the league. And when Friedman reported it on Saturday Night Headlines, he said this is the closest thing we have to a traditional NHL season and most likely. And I think that one just makes more sense. And I think the league should... uh, should follow that are we are all three of us in agreement we prefer conference playoffs like it was what when did when did they start divisional playoffs does anyone remember 2014 yeah. okay yeah like I, 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 it's like the canadian division the divisional playoffs it's like how it was like we just talked about the canadian division it the idea is fantastic but just the way things have worked out it could you look back and it could have been better I feel like it's the same thing with the divisional lineup of the playoffs, because one thing I think the NHL really wanted was rival teams going at it in the first round. I think the one they specifically really wanted when they did this in 2014 was Florida and Tampa Bay to go at it at some point, just for the sake of growing hockey out in the state of Florida. That's never happened. We've gotten Toronto and Boston multiple times. Um, 
St. Louis and Chicago, I think only once. So that was probably another one they really wanted. I, I, Oh, the California teams probably going at it in the first round more than they have. Like these are all division matchups that look really good on paper that the NHL wants to help grow hockey in certain areas, but just for whatever reasons, we haven't been able to get them. Therefore you look at it like that and yeah, it's maybe failed in a lot of it places. So really moving back to a conference format makes a bit more sense um, just hockey wise. I think, yeah, like it's no secret that the divisional playoffs was implemented essentially for rivalries and getting, you know, you know, boosting a bit more competition within division, which is fair. And yeah, in a lot of cases that was achieved for certain teams, you look at Toronto and Boston and it makes sense why Toronto fans aren't a fan of it because they've been booted by Boston. I mean, even before they went divisional, but they've been booted by Boston a number of times. But there are certainly some some areas, like you said, Nick, Florida and California, where they haven't got those those matchups. And I think partially that's because those teams just haven't been very good. The California teams have not been very good recently. Florida wasn't very good until this year. So maybe it needs more time. I don't know. But yeah, like I said, we're all in favor of of a conference alignment. We're going to talk overrated. We're going to talk underrated lineups. There's a lot of. The overrated underrated is a hot topic, especially I think with, with us, because we have opinions on players and they can vary wildly. So we'll start with underrated. Uh, It's a simple six players, three forwards, two defense, one goalie lineup. Patrick, we will start with you list off your full team forwards, defense goalies. Go ahead. All right. So my underrated starting five, starting with left wing, is Jakob Vrana. We talked about him uh, a couple weeks ago in the wake of the Mantha trade, how he's been a consistent top six producing winger. He's a goal scorer. Um, the rate at which he's done it is very impressive. It's among the league best and no one really talks about it. Um, Centering Jakob Vrana, I have uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Again, I feel like this is sort of a trendy underrated pick because everyone says he's underrated, but he really is. He has fantastic defensive impact. Uh, a great two-way player, been consistent 60 to 70 point seasons. Um, look at all the elite centers to win a cup. I think he's the one that you could argue isn't the flashy one to do it. Um, he's not a Crosby. He's not a Malkin, um, but he gets the job done super reliable. So Ryan O'Reilly, um, his right winger um, is Brendan Gallagher, uh, one of the best play driving right wingers in the National Hockey League. Um, only players with more 5v5 goals over the last few seasons are guys like McDavid, Matthews, and Kucherov, um, which is just great company to be in. Um, Luke rolled his eyes, but I think Brendan Gallagher is a perfectly reasonable pick. Um, on defenseman, I'll start with the left defenseman. I have Adam Pellick. Um, Nick, I'm assuming you have him on yours. Maybe you don't, but um, he's having a fantastic season. I think um, I knew about him to some extent last year uh, in a minor role when Devontae was with the Islanders, but he's since flourished into a uh, first pair defenseman, not the best offensive impact, but he still has um, a good uh, defensive impact. And then uh, Jared Spurgeon, no, his points don't pop off, but consistent 30 to 40 point seasons, uh, transition value, two-way impact. Um, he's an excellent defenseman. I think it's only a matter of time before people see him as like, not maybe not elite defenseman, but I definitely, definitely a top, a top pair defenseman who is just good all around. And then my goalie is uh, John Gibson. 
John Gibson isn't having a fantastic year. He's not. He's not. But I'm looking at other goalies. I don't know. My Okay, if I can get into honorable mentions, um, if not John Gibson, then I would say Thatcher Demko. Um, he, there you go. He proved me wrong this year. I didn't think he would be able to build off last year's success, um, and he's been pretty solid. But, um, yeah, can I run through my honorable mentions real quick? Keep it to 20. Okay. Uh, honorable mentions, I have Rupe Hintz, uh, Dylan Larkin, Anthony Sorelli, David Perron, Charlie McAvoy, Ryan Pollock, Jacob Slavin, Ryan Ellis, and Jonas Brodine. I was about to put Larkin in my overrated, I won't lie. but hey, Actually, I maybe shouldn't have told you to say the honorable mentions because you actually hit a couple of mine. Okay, so my underrated. Um, Brodine was close to making my starting lineup. If you want pure defense and nothing more, you get that. You'll yeah, stop talking about Brodine. Okay. <laughs> um. I'll go through mine. Yeah. Uh, unless yeah. we got to go through, we want to say anything else about Pat's. I think Pat, you sort of hit the nail on the head with most of those guys. Again, pretty good crop of players, Pelic, especially having a really good year. Um, Gallagher, I would say less underrated. I'd say he's probably aptly rated at this point, just through the exposure he's gotten in the Canadian division, but Ryan O'Reilly for a guy that's one of Con Smythe is not nearly talked about as much as a premier two-way centerman that he is. And uh, yeah, that's a good pick, but I'll go through mine underrated. Um, at left wing, I put Nick Ehlers, best winger in the Canadian division, in my opinion. Um, and he's been great all year for the Winnipeg Jets. And one of the reasons they're as high in the standings as they are at center, I put Dylan Larkin doesn't get talked about much just because of how bad the Detroit Red Wings have been over the past couple of years. But again, we want to talk about premier two-way players. Dylan Larkin is that at five V five would love to see him, um, now at his age and his matured game play with a talented team, Nick Backstrom, I put as my other forward again, it feels like a cop out almost to put Nick Backstrom there, but especially this season, he's got 48 points in 49 games. Nobody's talking about that. That's really good production for a guy at his age. And uh, you know, he should age continue to age beautifully just because he is so naturally good and has been for a really long time. Jonas Brodeen at left defense, Patrick already raved about him one of the best pure defensive defensemen in the national hockey league, in my opinion, um, Jake Muzzin is my right defense, you know, out of all the players we hear about so constantly in Toronto, I think Jake Muzzin is one that doesn't get enough praise because he's taken a player like Justin Hall, um, who we may mention uh, to some degree earlier, um, just from the amount of exposure that player has specifically gotten this year. Um, you know, he's an AHL level guy and Jake Muzzin has transitioned him and helped elevate his game to the point where, you know, a lot of people have talked about his play as being a staple in the NHL and, you know, potential uh, sneaky top four defenseman. Whereas I, I would say that's pretty much all Jake Muzzin. He is a two-way champ and has been a great addition for the Leafs. Um, my goalie is Alex Nedeljkovic. I struggled with the goalie a bit just because, it, goalies are so weird. It's either they're good or they're not. I struggle to call anybody over or underrated, but Nadelkovic got over a 930 save percentage this year and should most definitely be in the Calder Trophy conversation. All right. None of you said JT Miller, which is a bit concerning. So I can wrap well, up. Well, by... I've got a list of 25 honorable mentions here like patrick no yeah okay we have an hour go for it do you, do you have any honorable mentions though no i don't i didn't do honorable mentions i don't have any honorable mentions either so my my six are my six i'm starting with jt miller on left wing 
this uh, yeah it's of course it's biased but this guy is he's everything you could ever want on your and you in your leadership core on your first line on your first line left wing or third line center as canucks twitter is talking about he he hits he he scores he dogs the puck like no one you will ever see before and at the same time the amount of times he gives up on plays is comical i can't speak enough about jt miller he's maybe more valuable from my perspective than a lot of the young core on vancouver i'm not going to name names but just the what what he does for for a young team like vancouver is incredibly underrated so now that my bias is out of the way pat i'm surprised you didn't say this one uh reinhardt on the sabers I thought for sure you were going to mention him uh, so I can let you get in here if you want, but he he's been consistent essentially since he, since he, you know, first two or three seasons in the league, he's a really good player on a really bad team. And I think he's one of the top players I would like to see on a not bad team to see what he can do. He doesn't get talked about enough uh, for Buffalo situation. And it's kind of unfortunate because I think there's a lot of potential there, even though he is still really good right now. And on my wing, this is a center, but he shoots right. And because this is my team, this is who I'd put here. Uh, Vincent Trocek. I think he was, uh, well, yeah, I guess underrated because that's what we're talking about on the Panthers, maybe overshadowed by Barkov, who the king of underrated. But now on Carolina, he's... He's keeping it up. He's a very consistent point producer. He was putting up nearly 80 points in Florida at times. And I I think most people kind of saw him as a, you know, top six, nothing, nothing too special. But he's he's one of the most underrated players in the last few years for me. On defense, this one's a bit uh interesting because people do think he's good. People think he's really good, but He's maybe the best defenseman in the league right now, and not enough people are talking about Adam Fox. And it's it's not it's tricky because he is in a lot of Norris conversations, but he should be in more. He is arguably the best defense in the league right now, and the fact people are just kind of slotting him three or four spots under Hedman per se, who I'm not sure if either of you guys are going to talk about in the next segment here, but he need more he needs more recognition. Uh, especially on New York. I I'm, I don't know if you guys watched what I sent the other day, the little confidence move he pulled at the blue line, but he's um, he's very good and he's going to be very, very good for a long time. On the other side, I have Martinez on the Golden Knights. He was good on the Kings and he hasn't necessarily got better on the Knights, but consistent as well. And a a strong, strong defense in um, in his own zone specifically blocks a ton of shots, which is, uh, I think, a a stat that's losing value over time. Uh, Chris Tanov could speak to that, but I, I I think he he's just quietly one of one of the key parts of a successful Golden Knights team. And then in that, again, this guy's been good and people know it, but Chris Drieger, uh, another Ottawa Senators goalie that went on to do better things uh, with with Bobrovsky not playing $10 million worth of goalie time. Chris Drieger has been one of the best goalies in the league this year. 
and a big reason why Florida has been doing so well. There's a lot of reasons why Florida has been doing so well, but he's a big one. And I think he should be in a, a few more conversations. And I think, I think it kind of sucks for Florida because you've got Bobrovsky um, taking out a huge bite of your salary cap for the foreseeable future. So that kind of sucks. But Chris Trieger has been really good. Uh, any thoughts on that guys, or is that perfect? I, uh, you had me until you said Martinez. Yeah. Uh, yep. He is wildly five for six. Uh, over. No, 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 no. Yeah. You, yeah, you can say yeah. he's aptly. He's not overrated. Uh, I, he is. I think he is. Who he, says he's good. I never hear anyone talk. about. I him. think, I think the cup winning goal, I think the cup run, I think the fact that Vegas paid two second rounders, I believe it was for him. Well, okay. Yeah. I'm just being, I'm not going to deny maybe they way below paid for him, but he's, he's decent and he's got the, yeah, he's not good defensively. He's been a liability for the past. I strongly years. disagree. I, we can I pull disrespectfully up. disagree. I, yeah, Mar- Martinez was good back when the Kings won the cup and he scored that cup winning goal. I don't think he's done anything particularly of note or of, used to a contending hockey team since then so i i would i would really struggle to call him underrated other than that i think you you did fine with the rest of your Thanks, team guys appreciate it um before we get into our next segment i'll i'll just read off our two three teams here just so uh we yeah. can say it again so patrick had verona ryan o'reilly gallagher pellick spurgeon and gibson that's his team uh Luke had JT Miller, Reinhardt, Trocek, Fox, Martinez, and Driedger. And then I had Ehlers, Larkin, Backstrom, Brodine, Muzzin, and Nadelkovic. So uh, if you're listening to this, let us know on Twitter whose team you think is better. We'll put out a little poll later and you let us know whose team is the best one. Okay. When we come back, we will do uh, overrated and I'm sure it'll be just as if not more um, controversial. So stay with us. We'll be back in a few. All right. Our final segment of the day, just sit underrated. Let's do overrated. We're going to start with Nick. And I think um, overrated is a conversation. We probably have more than underrated, but we'll see. There's definitely a few players on our list that are pretty commonly agreed upon and definitely few that aren't so go ahead nick okay uh i'm gonna start off with my left wing this guy the way he plays um doesn't seem like he's probably ever played a game on the wing in his life he is as true of a center as you get and luke don't get mad at me but it's bo horvat and i i know i know it's okay he gets why, the why are you putting him on wing because I have another center and a but, guy who's on right wing. So did you just call him a true center? It, this guy, this guy is like, he's a centerman. Like I, I have two centermen here and I just put him on the wing. Okay. I cannot believe. Bo Horvat is, you know, chalked up to be one of the premier two-way centers in the national hockey league. I think based on the fact that his defensive impact is purely so vastly overrated. I oh put God. him here. Um, this, he, I watched the games with the Leafs last week where Vancouver played them. And the way Jim Houston was speaking about Bo Horvat, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, he was talking about him in an Austin Matthews type way on that level. And I don't think Bo Horvat's anywhere near that level. No disrespect to Bo Horvat. I like the player. I think he, he's a good player. He produces, but 
I the, the defensive value just isn't there for me. He's not chalked up to what he is supposed to be and what he is often described as. That's why I really, you know, I I, I don't see it with Bo Horvat. And I'm sorry, Luke. I his, pe- his penalty kill value isn't good either. That's the thing for me too. His penalty kill value is not there. I would rather you say, literally, I would rather you probably say Pedersen or Hughes overrated over Horvat. No, I'm sorry. Nick. It's Horvat for me. I think those guys are properly rated. I, th- I think Bo Horvat's overrated, Luke. That's so offensive. But, <laughs> all right. I told you what I tell you before the show, you, you weren't going to like me. I think it was going to be Bo Horvat. How can you not? Mm, okay. One of the most uh, I'll move on. Things. I'll move on before Luke gets any more hurt. Um, my centerman, and I guess I could have just put this guy on the wing, but I, it's my team. I can do whatever I want. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, you know, good point producer, but oh my God, his defensive value also just, oh my God, that guy gives up way too much. Um, again, he was one of the reasons the Capitals won the cup in 2017, 18, he was brilliant in the playoffs produced all throughout, but, um, he, he makes a lot of money. He makes like, I think he's making seven and a half million dollars. And that's not, that's not good value for a guy that is giving up more than he is scoring for the Capitals. His scoring has even cooled off slightly in the past couple of years. He's still, you know, in in an 82 game season, he's still like a 65 to 70 point guy. Um, probably closer to 70 even, but the Capitals still get caved when he's on the ice. And I think he owes a lot of his decent on ice results and production really to the guy who was on my underrated list. And that's Nick Backstrom. Um, in my right wing slot, I'm going to continue to be mean to Russians. Uh, Vlad Tarasenko, again, I used to really like Vlad Tarasenko, you know, four or five years ago very rightfully in the conversation for one of the best up and coming goal scorers in the game. But I think it's to the point now where he suffered one too many injuries. Um, He's missed a lot of time in the past couple of years. Again, he was also a big part of a Stanley cup winning team, that blues team in 1819, but Tarasenko's just production isn't there for me anymore. I don't really see it. He also, you know, the blues give up quite a bit when he's on the ice as well. So I struggle to see it with uh, Tarasenko anymore. And I think um, his reputation deserves to just climb down a little bit just because it really hasn't matched his play in the past few years. Um, lefty Drew Doughty. I, I've, I've railed on Drew Doughty on the show before. Um, you know, he, he is the most overrated hockey player of this entire generation. Um, and I, I, I say that with a completely straight face. Again, very important part of some Canadian Olympic teams, very important part of the King's Cup winning teams. But I would argue that since that 2014 Olympics and when the Kings won the Cup that year, his play has just continuously gone downhill since then. Um, you know, this guy is probably one that's going to end up in the Hockey Hall of Fame just because of his reputation when it has not matched his play for years and years. He should send Eric Carlson his 20, uh, 2015-16 Norris Trophy. That's, that's Eric Carlson's third one. He should send that to him in the mail. Um, now right D, um, I know this is insane, but I, I put this here just because of this season we touched on earlier, I'm putting Victor Hedman's 2021 season at right D because this guy has been talked about. It feels like since game one as the runaway Norris trophy winner. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth. It's Adam Fox's. I think this is the same thing as Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty that I just talked about in 2017. Um, there was a fantastic graphic from uh, Dom Lushishin 
in uh, the athletic yesterday, comparing Fox's stats to Hedman's and even, you know, any analytics I can throw at you here, even the traditional stats like plus minus and block shots, Adam Fox has been better than him this year. And for Victor Hedman to be labeled pretty much, like I said, from game one as the runaway Norris trophy winner, I don't understand it. I don't know where that's come from. I've even watched a bunch of Tampa Bay this year. I, I don't, I don't know where it's that. I, I don't get it. He won the con Smythe last year. And I guess that gave him the right to the Norris trophy. Um, Patrick, you did ask if I had a Montreal player earlier. I, I lied. I guess I did. Um, Curry Price, the goalie, again, like Drew Doughty, he's riding so the reputation sad. that he earned so many years ago, and his play has not lived up to that billing since then. Um, it's amazing what that 2014 Olympic team did for some guys' careers. Um, yeah, big yikes. Pat, do you mind if, you mind if I go? <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I want to say I agree with everything uh, Nick said. I thought well, I don't. I thought so that scene especially was a good show, but go ahead. You I'll go it. now. Um, so on left wing, I have Brady Kachuk. At center, I have Josh Norris. Uh, right wing, Drake Batherson. Uh, left defense, Thomas Shabbat. Right defense, Artem Zub. And goalie, I had Marcus Hogberg. I don't know what you guys think of that, but that's my list. So you go ahead, Pat. Zub for Calder. Okay, no, for real, my, uh, my wing is jimmy vc and i'm not sure if it's just leafs fans being leafs fans but i uh this was massively overhyped coming in i i don't really know what i was expecting but he's not very good on a on a not very good team and that that has to say something right there at center i have matt duchene uh it's kind of sad because he he used to be really 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 good and now he's massively overpaid on a Nashville team that's heading downhill fairly quickly. And him, uh, he's just not going to fit, fit that mold well for what Nashville is going to want to do. And he's just not very good anymore. On my other wing, uh, I have, and not to say this player is bad, but I have Kyle Palmieri. I, I don't really get what all the, and I, I was kind of, I bought into it as well. I'm not really understanding what all the hype was over just before the trade deadline. He's, he's again, he's not bad, but he's not, he, I, I don't think he should have been one of the biggest trade pieces this trade deadline. He's not that good, in my opinion. On defense, I have Oliver Ekman Larson. Again, not bad, but are you disagreeing with me or did you have oh, him? I, no, I, I have him as well. Okay. Not, but he's not, he's not a bad defense. Um, but I, I think there were some points he was regarded as one of the best defender defense, not defenders in the league. And that just isn't the case. And I think if anything, he's uh, trending in the wrong direction and right defense. I have Nate Schmidt um, probably just cause I'm a bit disappointed. I thought, I thought he would at least be able to come in and hold his own on say the second pairing. I thought, you know, Quinn Hughes and whoever is paired with Quinn Hughes, that's a manageable first pairing. And Nate Schmidt can can kind of be the one on the second pairing. That just hasn't been the case. Again, he hasn't been bad, but he just he hasn't been what he should have been. And it's just kind of been disappointing to see that because he should have been he should have been someone that that could be counted on. And that hasn't been the case quite yet. In net, uh, I have a fellow by the name of Frederick Anderson. Leafs fans seem to think once he's back and healthy and all good to go, that 
their their goaltending situation is figured out. I don't totally believe that. He is truly revered as a bona fide number one goalie to some people. And I just, I don't think that's the case, especially when it comes to playoffs and he's, and that's happened time and time again. And I'm, I'm just not sure how many more times that needs to happen before, uh, you know, some, some legitimately serious questions are asked about Frederick Anderson. So that's my six. Uh, you, you had me until Paul Mary. Um, if I can, I would just like to read out since he joined the New Jersey Devils in 2015, 16, again, not bad. Per season. 30, 26, 24, 27, 25. Now he had eight um, this year and he's got one for the Islanders. So a bit of a down year, but that might um, play I, I would argue that he is one of the, he was one of the perennially underrated players in the NHL for all those years. You're grimacing a bit. I'm curious what you think. Me? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I can hear the argument for Duchesne simply because of the cap hit and the production hasn't matched it. But Duchesne still has some pretty decent defensive value. And he's having an elite play driving year. Yeah, but I, Man, I, I'm just an yeah, idiot. Because you have no, because you have to factor in the cap hit, and I think that's in part why I had. I actually had, don't think you do. I wasn't factor. I, I mean, I did mention it, I guess, but. Well, because we've all we've all said that's a lot of money for a player, a Nick. You it is someone who was getting paid a lot of money and wasn't meeting expectations. That's why I had Ekman Larson on mine. Um, yeah, I think I would agree with all of it. I feel like VC was again he had a couple good seasons at harvard but it wasn't like insane i think it was because he went the free agent route i'm confused how he how he was Mm -hmm. oh i actually don't know was he consistent on this year's leafs lineup before he went on waivers he was he was in their lineup consistently but he was quite that's what i mean sorry yeah so that's what i don't understand how he repeatedly made that lineup he's he's borderline making vancouver's lineup i don't yeah, really and I guess that. it was a what 750k for VC, low risk, high reward. That's what people said, but it's essentially low risk, no reward because his offense has been virtually non existent since what his first season with the Rangers. He just looks uh, bad, like he, yeah, he it, just looks nothing, bad out there. There's nothing there, uh, with him, and I'm sure the hype plays into the fact that we all saw Hobie Baker season tweeted a million times whenever he did something resembling hey, who. Um, anyway, so we don't need to name names, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would agree, uh, probably up until Palmieri, but, um, I will start with mine. Um, there's sort of a theme with mine and that is defensive impact. And I understand that not every player has to have a defensive impact if they can be good offensively, but anyway, I'll get to mine. So starting on left wing, I have Mike Hoffman. Um, I cannot overstate how little he does not only defensively, but at even strength, he's essentially a non-factor. Uh, power play value, and that's about it. Still a good goal scorer, of course. Um, he's kind of struggled in St. Louis this year. Um, I know in last episode we mentioned the possibility of him going to a different league because it just it hasn't really worked. Um, and obviously the locker room stuff, he might not find a, a long-term home. But again, um, pure goal scorer, but not the best uh, anywhere else. He's just literally power play, and that's it. Um, at center, and I kind of struggled with this, but I went with Sean Monahan. Um, you don't like Calgary, eh? I don't like Calgary. Uh, I find them boring. I didn't like them pre-Daryl Sutter. I don't like them with Daryl Sutter. Um, I've never really found them interesting. I don't like their jerseys. We've, we've gone on about my dislike for Calgary. But Sean Monahan, again, brutal defensive impact. He's had um, a couple down years, has never really been able to find consistency um, that he once had uh, in his early seasons. 
Um, and then on the wing, I have Blake Wheeler. Again, kind of going with my defensive theme here. Um, not just not not that he just doesn't have defensive value, but the eye test shows that he's unbelievably lazy as well. Um, there have been breakdowns of his defensive game, just simply not trying. Um, he has the ability to play well defensively. And it's weird with Blake Wheeler, because if you look at his 2012 to 2015, he was actually really, really, really strong defensively. And all the metrics pointed in his favor. But the last two years, um, I guess he's just stopped. And um, that speaks to a bigger question about the sort of overratedness of the Wheeler and Shifley tandem, when in reality, Nikolai Ehlers is the best player on that team. But that's a discussion for another show. Um, on left defense, I have Oliver ekman Larson take away the brutal contract. He's never popped off to the extent people thought. Um, his underlying numbers are terrible. He's been nothing but a liability this year. Uh, Jacob Chitron is the best defenseman on that team by a significant margin. And then the big one, um, we've talked about it before. Uh, this one, I think, has a lot of people upset, but uh, Seth Jones is a very overrated defenseman. Um, he does not face the toughest competition on his team. He's never been exceptional at both ends of the ice. He's not top 100 in 5v5 points for 60. Um, Jay Fresh did an entire breakdown that Tortorella and Columbus in general has used Murray and Savard against the toughest players. Um, he's good in transition, but he can't sustain offense. If you look at his viz, he's never been exceptional at both ends of the ice at one time. It's always been inconsistent. Um, again, the media... I get there was a lot of hype around Seth Jones, but every year there's a top 10 or top 20 defenseman list. He's always there. And I wouldn't put him in my top 20, probably even top 30. Um, I know he's, he eats top minutes, whatever that means, but um, I would say he is overrated. Yeah. I, you know, Pat, we agree with each other a lot on these. It's nice. Luke agrees with us a little less. We <laughs> agree with Luke a little less, but um, especially the Seth Jones one, I, I, I would go as far as to say he's, he might be the most overrated player in the league right now. And that's going to become very evident when in a couple of years time, he hits the UFA open market and somebody, I, I can already see it. Somebody's going to fork out like $9 million a year for this dude. I forgot my goalie. Um, pains me to say it. Uh, Carey Price again. Um, he stole the show in 2014, sweeping the awards. He was good enough in 2015. Uh, but since then, he, he was didn't... the best goalie in the world for a number of years. IMO. I, yeah, I really I, liked Car I really liked Carey Price, and it sucks to see this year going the way it is for him. I think it was he. He kept getting better, and then 2014, 15, he was exceptional. 2016, he was good enough, and then obviously that's when he signed the 10-year deal or eight-year deal. But again, signing a player at that point, you're not signing for what he's going to do. You're signing for what he did, and since 2016, 2017. He's had flashes, but, you know, for the money he's making and all of that, you have to steal a game now and then. And I look at a team like Winnipeg, Hellebuck has single-handedly stolen them games, making the big save. And I haven't seen Price come up with a big save in a while. Um, last year, he was good in the play-ins against Pittsburgh, but just the inconsistencies, the fact that every single time, you know, players say, well, I wouldn't want to play against Price. It doesn't matter what the players say because he's just statistically not, not it. And, uh, Honorable mention to Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, and then my other honorable mentions, honorable mentions were Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, and Morgan Riley. Funny enough, all defensemen in the North Division. Um, those three players are overrated. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not sure about Fleury, in, uh, in my opinion. Not sure I agree with that one. But... It's all right. 
that will do it for us today. Overrated, underrated, North Division, lots of topics gone over. We will be back next week. We're going to be talking awards soon. We're going to be talking some draft controversies, maybe about a certain Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Brady Kachuk. We'll see. Thanks for listening. As usual, we will see you next week. Until then.